as you're taking your seats, we could turn in our Bibles. We'll read a few verses of Scripture here, but we're going to turn in our Bibles uh, to Genesis chapter 49 and to Leviticus chapter 16. I know we've just come through Thanksgiving, but I'd like to say to everybody, Happy Thanksgiving. It's a great time. The idea of it, of thankfulness and togetherness. Um, Leviticus chapter 16, verse 30 says, For on that day shall the priest make an atonement for you to cleanse you, that you may be clean from all your sins before the Lord. And then Genesis, I said chapter 49, I apologize and I should have caught you in the back. It's Genesis chapter 50, I fat fingered it when I wrote it. But Genesis chapter 50 and we're at verses 15 through 20. Um, but it says, when Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, they, they said, Joseph will peradventure hate us and will certainly requite us all the evil which he did unto, which we did unto him. And they sent a messenger unto Joseph, saying, Thy father did command before he died, saying, So shall you say unto Joseph, Forgive, I pray thee now, the trespasses of thy brethren and their sin, for they did unto thee evil. And now we pray thee, forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of thy father. And Joseph wept when they spake unto him. And his brethren also went and fell down before his face, and they said, Behold, we be thy servants. And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for I am I in the place of God. But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass, as is this day, to save much people alive. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word, and thank you for your scripture. Thank you, O oh God, for your grace and your great kindness and mercies that you've reached into our lives. And speak to us today, Lord Jesus, and change us. Encourage in this audience today, God. Be provision, be blessing, and meet the needs in this place and be healing. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. The missing party to atonement. The missing party to atonement. Forgive me, I don't like to read long passages all at once when we open up Scripture, but Genesis chapter 49, we'll just touch it and then we'll come back again later. But I, I wanted you to hear the complete bracketed story there. You see, Joseph's ended up in Egypt and he ended up being the most powerful man in the world as how they would have viewed it at the time, given that Pharaoh thought himself to be a god. And he ended up being the most powerful man in the world. He was also, you might say, a slave to Pharaoh. But he had been sold into slavery by none other than his brethren. Now, if you heard the end of that, you just said, well, your brethren put you in a spot where he became the most powerful man in the world. What are you complaining about? But that's not what it looked like. His brethren hated him, despised him. They had a lot of family issues. They came from four different moms. A lot of turmoil. A lot of sibling rivalry. A lot of hatred. 
And they hated him so bad that when dad said, hey, I'd like you to go sort things out with your brothers, and I think it looked maybe to be a test on Joseph's life, Joseph, when he didn't find him where dad said to go, said, ah, but I know the mission, and he went to where he found out they were. And the mission was just to see how your brothers were doing. But when the brothers saw him, they hated him, and they took him, and they tore up his special identifying coat that dad said, this is just who you are, and, and dipped it in blood, and it ended up, after they threw him in a pit, selling him as a slave, rejected by the family. And Joseph went from that to, that really tears you down, to trying to make it through, I'm still going to live for God. And then he got lied on by the wife of the man who he was a slave to, whom God had blessed Joseph in that house, and yet she came and lied. And he, Joseph had to be like, God, why didn't you prevent the lie? And that sent him into the Egyptian prison. And he would have thought it was the end, but God took him from the prison to the top, to the king's house. We won't dissect all the story today, but Joseph's time there being sold and being hated on and being being stripped of his clothes and thrown in a pit and then sold as a slave and lied on and put in prison, that was an enormous down part in his life, and he could not see the end. So here in this passage, Joseph's family has come to Egypt and been delivered from the famine, and, and Joseph was there to be salvation for them. So they went through a famine in the land, and the brothers didn't have any food, and they came down to Egypt. They didn't know that they were encountering Joseph. But they encountered Joseph, and, and Joseph didn't tell them at first, this is who I am. He wanted to find out what's going on. But eventually he said, brothers, it's me, and come down, and there's food for everybody. But in the back of their mind, they were like, he's only being nice to us because of dad. And all of you who maybe had been hated on by your siblings or somebody, all of you who maybe had been treated terribly and, and everybody else was pretty mean to you, what would you do if you were in a place now of power and authority? Would you provide? Okay, yes. All right. Jeremy, you're like, I'm not a mean guy. I'll take care of him. But would you actually completely forgive them? Or would there always be just a little bit of rub that said, we got through this, but we move on in life because this is just what it is. Sister Kiara, you did me. She didn't do me wrong. She didn't do me wrong. But, you know, we got a rub, right? And that's just where we're at. Can anybody actually relate to that? Where you had a situation and it forever changed the relationship and you just had to move on in life? You know, that does happen, Right? It doesn't mean even that you hate each other. It's just things changed now because of decisions and choices that even you made. And it's where it's at. You sometimes see that in divorces. Families torn apart. And you thought they'd be put back together. And they weren't. But there's still hope for you, by the way. There's a life for you. But here's the story of Joseph. And dad dies and the brothers are like, oh man, we're dead. And so that's why Joseph unfolds to them that what they meant for evil, God meant.
for good. God meant for good. So we will return back to the story, remember it, hold on to it. But here we opened up with this scripture in Leviticus, for on that day shall the priest make an atonement for you to cleanse you. And so now that I've laid the, the story out for you, let me now lay out a little bit of what is atonement. Atonement's a big fancy word. Jeremy and Courtney and I talked about this a little bit on Thanksgiving, but atonement's one of those big fancy words, and I'm sure you guys use it every day in your vocabulary. Keith, atonement's probably on your lips while you're at work. You turn to your coworker and you say, have you been received atonement? <clears throat> we say that quite frequently from a pulpit. If you would like to be atoned, please come to the front. And you're like, atone of what? What, atone? Anyways, uh, atonement. But it is one of those words that, that people are also, they hear and they're aware of. And when you get into Leviticus and you begin to read about atonement, you see the killing of a goat. You see a goat burned outside the camp and you see blood in the tabernacle and, and on the altar and on the priest and what is going on with atonement. You see that, that there was a need for one day a year for the high priest to go into the Holy of Holies and to put blood on the a mercy seat and on the Ark of the Covenant. Why was this? And so when you read through your Bible and you do the Bible reading program and we're getting ready to start a new year and you're like, okay, I'm going to read through this Bible. And you get to this passage, you're like, that's a lot of animals that died. That's a lot of blood. That's a lot of burning sacrifice. That's a lot of, and there's this atonement. And atonement sounds like a lot of stench, a lot of grossness. And it sounds like the heaviness of being aware of your sins and knowing that that high priest needs to offer up the sacrifice and that if he doesn't, you will fall under the wrath of God because you deserve to die. Now that is awful heavy, Jeremy, if I say to you, you deserve to die. You don't feel very good about yourself. It's not a pick-me-up moment here. Joey, it's not like, hey, you did great work. No, I'm saying, you're a loser. You deserve to die. Don't take that to heart. <laughs> and it's heavy, the idea of atonement. And when you would look at it, you would say, okay, uh, um, what's going on here? Sister Brooklyn, what do we have happening today? Well... You would turn, we would turn and we'd tell, explain it. We'd say, hey, a sacrifice has to be made because our sins have to be taken care of and everything that we did wrong, something has to die and there has to be, another big word, substitution, replacement. It's going to take care of it. You'd say, okay, all right, I really want that to happen. And you're like... And we have a relationship with God, and, and we have another big word called covenant. But we're, we're in relationship with Him, and He takes care of us. And He looks out for us, and, and we worship Him, and we serve Him. But we don't always do it right, and we didn't always do it right. And, and so we have to have our relationship restored, our covenant, and His commitment to us, and our commitment to Him. And, 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 and so we offer up this sacrifice. And that's what atonement would seem like 
and sound like. And we're so thankful today because when we get into the New Testament, we, we realize and we can highlight Hebrews chapter 9, verse 23. It says, It was therefore necessary that the pattern of things in heaven should be purified with these but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ is not entered into the holy place made with hands, which are figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest entereth in the holy place every year with the blood of others. And we could go on, but, but Jesus became what was that pattern in the Old Testament. And he offered up the sacrifice. And so we're very grateful today. You know why we're grateful? We're grateful because we don't have to have the stench of animals and sacrifice and blood. And, and when you would bring a sacrifice, you know what you would do? Sister Brooklyn, you would bring it and you would put your hand on its head. You, you were responsible for its death. The high priest, he took care of all the blood and everything, and, and he made sure it got through the process, but it was gross. And it was a lot of bleeding of animals. But that's not really what atonement is. That's just the function and the process. And why did Jesus really have to come? First off, Bishop, a goat can't take care of you. You're not a goat. No matter how much identity crisis we have in the world right now, you're not a furry. You're not an animal. You're not a monkey. You're not a zebra. You're not a chicken. You're not a dog. All right? You're a human being. And you needed a human being to come and take care of you. But there's no human being that could possibly be good enough. Unless God himself became man. Oh, let's give him a hand clap. He did this. He took care of us. He took care of us. Atonement. Substitution. You know, we struggle with it. You know why we struggle with substitution? Because we want to get, we want to be like, hey, Sal, we want to like, we want to get away with what we did, right? When you were a kid, I'm sure you ran out all the time, and you were like, you tell the grandkids this, okay? When you did wrong, I'm sure you raised your hand and said, I broke that, I stole the cookies, I broke the window, <laughs> or maybe he went and hid and watched and said, they'll never catch me, you know? It, we, but. If you saw somebody else get caught, if you are, have any decency in you, you might feel just a little bit of guilt that somebody else is paying the price for what you did. And furthermore, when you've done me wrong and I say to you, Bishop, you do me wrong, and I say to you, you know what, I forgive you. You may understand that, and you might be like, okay, so he's now helping me out with something. I need help, and he forgave me, and all good. But in the back of his mind, he knows, but I did him wrong. There's a little bit of, uh, between us. See, everything's not the same anymore. It's, we, and we struggle with that. But what is really atonement? It's at one mint. It's making everything come together as one. No, Sister Powell, you got to understand. 
if you broke into my house and you stole my stuff and the police came and arrested you and hauled you off, what would atonement be? It would be me saying, oh, no, 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 she's my friend. And the police say, but she broke the law. And the city is going to prosecute the county. And they decide to haul you into court. And I say, but no, no, I don't want her to be judged. And they say, it doesn't matter, we're judging her. And I say, hold on a second, because what is at one minute, what's atonement? My house was broken into. I want things to be made right and correct. I want it to be right. And somehow I get in there and I get the ability and I say, hold on a second. And the judge says, here's the verdict, you're going to jail. And I step in the way and I say, I'll go to jail. You, you don't get this. Because you don't see in society, because society says, what? You can't pay the price. She has to. She did the crime. And if the punishment's going to be given, then the one who took it. You know, the president gives pardons. First pardon was given by Abraham Lincoln to the turkey. No, that wasn't the first pardon, but that was the first pardon for a turkey. When his son made a friend and a pet out of the turkey and ran in because he saw his dad issue pardons, and when the cook was going to kill the turkey, he ran in and said, well, pardon my turkey. And so the president did. That was the first turkey pardon. The president did not take the place of Thanksgiving meal. Thank the Lord. The president does not take the place of the people he pardons. But when she broke into my house, I said, let me take her place. Let me go and pay the price. I need to make this together. And you know what? After I paid the price, you know what I said? Could you, Sister Powell, come back over to my house? Would you come be my friend? Why? Because what I'm saying is, I don't just want to pay the price. I need it to be as if it had never happened. I need that relationship as if there was never that divide or that split between us. In fact, no bishop, it's not just another divide. We're switching places. It's as if I'm the one that sinned. And the division should be because I'm sitting here. That's what Jesus did for you. Where, I should, where you're saying... Uh, I should feel guilty because I harmed you. I'm yeah. saying, no, the no. guilt's mine. Yeah. And I should feel guilty that I harmed you. And, and the canyon is closed and the rift is gone. And it's better than if it ever had occurred. That's atonement. And atonement can't really happen unless both parties show up. Because I don't care how much the price was paid. I don't care how much he took and went to the, the, the jail for you. And what he did for you. It can't happen unless you take the atonement and switch places. You have to be willing to switch. Now in our passage here with Joseph. Joseph in so many ways did not pay the price for his brother's. But in some ways he did because he went through suffering. Joseph is called an Old Testament type or shadow, an example of Jesus Christ. Giving us traits of the one to come would be like a savior, a rescuer, 
But our title today is The Missing Party to Atonement. Atonement can't occur unless both parties show up. You see, the brothers here had lived 17 years in Egypt. 17 years. Avery is 16, and she has probably cast her eye towards March 20th when she will be 17. If any of you knew Avery for the last whole 17 years, ask her if that's a long time to live. It's a lifetime, her lifetime. That's how long I've lived in Omaha, 17 years. For 17 years, Sister Powell, the brothers and their families lived with this rift, silently knowing one day dad's going to die and we wronged you. I know you brought us down to the land and you put us in Goshen and you gave us the best of this place. But that's only because of dad. You know, that also reminds me of Mephibosheth. Somehow he ended up at the king's table. David brought him in. He was crippled. Do you know what Mephibosheth always saw himself as? Crippled. Do you know what David saw him as? The king's son. It's time to stop thinking that you were the kid that was last to be picked to play ball and said you only picked me because you had to pick somebody and recognize that Jesus picked you, not second, not third, but first. He picked you because he wanted you. And he became the captain because he wanted to pick you. Oh, go ahead, give him a hand clap. You're not second best, and what God has done in your life is not second best. Who are you to think that you should understand the pathway of life? You need to accept God's atonement. To be as one. The brothers for 17 years did live with that on them. And they couldn't get in their head that they could have had a greater relationship with their brother and their savior if they would have just fully embraced the king's love and the king's forgiveness hear me today you need forgiveness like you need the air that you breathe and even more so and you need to forgive and you need to receive forgiveness because you can't live without it. Every day I do something that I shouldn't probably do. Something you could fault me for. And I wouldn't have friends and I wouldn't have relationship without grace. How much more does this go towards God? Who while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Oh, He forgave us. Oh, we talk about God's math. One can put a thousand to flight, and two can put ten thousand to flight, and, and, and if two or three are gathered in my name, and, and we talk about the multiplication of God. But when you look at the story of the lost sheep, what did he do? He said, You being lost is worth my 99 over here. 
come. That's God's math as well. God's math says, I, I got to get another one. He's right here. That's God's math. He says, you're as valuable as the whole. God's math. Somebody needs to receive forgiveness today. To give forgiveness is the greatest gift you can give. To receive it. If you don't receive it, to receive it, you're denying somebody else the greatest gift. Hear me, I need forgiveness. And I need grace. I'm getting ready to bring this to a close, musicians. But the missing party to atonement. What is it? You say, well, this is for the person who has never been baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, received the, the Spirit of Jesus Christ with the evidence of speaking in another language. If that has not happened to you, it will happen to you. It's yours today. But the missing party to atonement was a bunch of brothers who had come to Egypt and been put in the absolute greatest place and received all the abundant blessings that the most powerful person, man in the world, could provide. And yet, they didn't go ahead and receive all of the forgiveness. Christ's forgiveness is for you. And all you need to do is stop missing out. Stop holding it over your head. Stop beating yourself down. Stop laying stripes across your own back. Stop saying, what did I do to Jesus? And say, look what Jesus did for me. He wants you to come back in. He wants to make it one. Can we stand to our feet? His calling is for you. He called you into ministry. He healed you and forgave you of your pornography. He forgave you of how you were as a husband or as a wife. He reached into the troubled childhood that you had and he cared about your parents too. But he didn't stop caring for you. And he wants to make you complete and whole and complete and whole with him. So if you could close your eyes and bow your heads. Lord Jesus, I ask you to lay your holy hands, Lord Jesus, on this audience and touch them and heal them and compel them, Lord Jesus, back to a place with you and that they could see that you intend for them to be one one in you, one with each other, and one in their spirit, whole and healed and complete. And receive, oh God, your forgiveness, your grace, and your atonement, that we would be at one, and that relationship would be restored. And we go ahead and lift our voices towards heaven as these musicians sing. If you'd like to come to this altar, go ahead, make your way to the front. Restore relationship. Receive forgiveness. Give forgiveness. Halebere kurebaki. 
So you say, hey, that loved one is dead. Tell it to Jesus today. His forgiveness doesn't leave a rift. It's not your job to keep the rift open. His healing is complete. The scar is only a reminder of how much greater the relationship is. Come receive atonement! 